Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Eight oh six, and of course, full scope with Doctor Nicole Madison's direct care primary care doc, of course, uh, Advocate MD, direct primary care practice. And I, I, I said singular, you've got, uh, you guys have grown so much. I was like in that groove of from a couple of years ago where uh, you were a one doc operation with the clinic on the uh, on the west side out in Middleton. You guys are doing just awesome for good reason. Direct primary care is such a great model. Advocate MD is a phenomenal practice and a ph- phenomenal couple of clinics and uh, east side, west side locations. And of course, four docs now, of course, for you at Advocate MD, the website advocatesdpc.com. That's advocatesdpc.com to make an appointment to become a member at Advocate MD. I got to just pick up the phone, get the doctor call 608-268-6211. That's 608-268-6211. Dr. Hemkiss, how are you doing today? I'm good, Sean. It's, it's funny that you said the thing about us expanding. We I did a presentation for a business um, you know, last night or the night before, and it, it's a business that we've had now for three years. So every time I talk to them, it's like, well, we've added <laughs> another doctor. And we are right now the largest direct primary care practice in the Madison area. There have uh, been a couple more primary care offices, direct primary care offices that have popped up, which is a great thing because that means that more doctors are interested in, in practicing this way and more patients are finding and hearing about this. So I think it's it's great that this movement has expanded more in our local area. You know, one, and one of the things I, I think, and, and you know much better than, than almost everybody, which is kind of the conditions in the hospital setting and some of these um, big, uh, big medical groups and a lot of doctors getting burnt out by kind of how they're treated and what they're expected to do. And um, we talk about like hospitals, for example, and, and kind of a, a monolip, um a monopoly. I'll use that word rather than try and <laughs> the tense on. But they, there, that has led to um, a lot of very unhappy patients and a lot of very unhappy doctors as well. Let's talk about. And, and here in Madison, we've got a, a few big ones, a couple big ones here in town. Let's talk a little bit about those those hospitals and kind of what what gets frustrating for doctors and for patients as well. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see what's happened over the last, you know, especially the last 10 years, but I would say it's been going on, you know, to a, a higher degree, you know, even the last few years where what's happening is that it's very unusual now to see a private independent hospital. There's maybe a handful of them in the entire state right now. But what happens is that these larger health systems, sometimes national health systems, will go in and buy up these these smaller hospitals in the same way that health systems go in and buy up primary care doctor's offices. And the idea behind that is there's a few different reasons. Obviously, they want a so-called, they call it a footprint. They want to have that geographic area. They want to capture those patients so that they can then, you know, determine where that patient goes to get their mammogram, where they go to get their surgery done. Um, but they also, you know, from a financial economic standpoint, there is, you know, economies of scale, right? So when you have bigger and bigger companies, maybe they can purchase supplies and products and, and medications even for a lower cost, um, which there's nothing wrong with economies of scale. But the the 
scary part about monopolies, especially in healthcare, but even other types of monopolies, you know, what if what if there's, you know, ABC gear is the only one that makes this particular part. And, you know, so so they can determine what the price of that is. This happens even in pharmaceuticals, right? So if a pharmaceutical company makes a very specific medication that nobody has something that's the equivalent to that, they can base they can t- determine the price of that medication and set it at whatever they want. If they set it too high, as we've seen in the news, there was that guy I forget his name years ago that had that antifungal or antiparasitic that he Screlly? Yes, yeah, like <laughs> he increased the price by like ten thousand percent or oh. something. So, so if you do something crazy like that and somebody takes notice of it, then they can, you know. It, they can prosecute you for that, but um, you know there's price fixing and things like that. But but what can happen is that when when somebody has a monopoly, when a hospital or a healthcare system has a monopoly, they will increase their prices. They've done studies on this, right? Because there's there's less competition, so monopolies tend to drive out competition, right? Because it makes it harder for the little guy to set up shop. You know, if you own let's say 90% of the clinics in town, it's going to be really hard for you know health system, you know. XYZ to come in and, you know, try to set up shop and compete with you because you own the majority of the market share. I remember when I was practicing in Chicago many years ago, probably 10 plus years ago, um, and I worked for a health system down there that was called Resurrection. And they, I, I worked for one of their hospitals. And I think at the time they owned like six hospitals. Then fast forward a couple years, they joined or they partnered with Adventist. And then, you know, and then they went from having six hospitals to having, you know, 30 hospitals. And then they got bought out by a, a, a even larger, you know, health system that had, you know, you know, 200 hospitals. Mm. And, and the other problem that we see is that now no longer are these hospitals, you know, even when you have local health systems, you know, it might be regional or it might be just in the same state or in the same market, like, for example, the Chicago market, the the Milwaukee market. And at least those people that run that hospital system, they know the local patient population. They lo- they know the local health care needs of that population, the insurance kind of climate. Um, but what, what we see happening now here, even with our uh, big systems that we have here in the Madison area, is that some of these big systems, they're their headquarters are located in, you know, places like St. Louis or, you know, Iowa. So so it's it's really difficult for that person that's, you know, three or four states away yeah. to kind of understand, um, you know, the patients here in Madison or even to understand the doctors. And if they're if they're having challenges, it, it creates from a doctor's perspective, um, the big frustration is that the bigger the system gets, the more layers of bureaucracy you have as far as, you know, maybe, you know, again, we used to know the hospital CEO and maybe it was somebody that could walk in their office. That probably was not really happening much, but you could walk in and say, hey, you know, there's this issue that we're having, you know, and and might be a patient care issue, might be um, something else. And and they would say, okay, well, let's figure out, you know, what we can do. But now you have to relay that message through, you know, five different people and it probably will never get to the the CEO of that health system. It's it's an interesting perspective too, uh, I think, we think of consolidation and, and 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 sometimes there's some great benefits to it and then sometimes there's some not so great benefits and we often uh, forget that um, the same stuff goes on in healthcare and not only for patients are, are they feeling it the doctors feel it as well and we talk about primary care um, of course advocate MD a direct primary care practice advocate uh, dpc.com um, I think of like when I was a kid our, our family doctor they were it was actually a husband and wife they they ran their own independent clinic and that was 
that was the norm. Is all the doctors in town? They had their own. They might have a couple of locations, but it was they were independent. They weren't associated with the hospital. It was Doctor XYZ's clinic. And when you had to go in for surgery or anything like that, you could go. I'm in Waukesha. There was the big Waukesha Memorial Hospital, or you, they would send you. You know, you look for a, another hospital in the area. They weren't associated with that. Now you go to you go to the your 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 primary care doctor who is associated with a particular health system and a particular hospital. You go in to see them, and you're kind of that's kind of like the feeder route then. Now you're in that system and you're only going um, and only they only offer that particular hospital for any type of healthcare solutions. It's 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 gotten again it seems very bizarre when you compare where we were to to where we are, but that's what goes on now, doc. It's very true. You know, I think, um, you know, even like, let's say a generation ago or or a couple decades ago, it was not uncommon to have a lot of private primary care clinics, you know, like like you mentioned, you know, it might be husband, wife, or just, you know, a couple of doctors that get together and decide that they're going to open their own practice. Many times they did this right out of training. You know, it wasn't that expensive to do that at that point, because insurance hadn't kind of taken over, they might have even been dealing with a lot of cash patients, you know, back in those days. Um, And as we've seen, over the last you know 20 to 30 years the the climate of healthcare has become much more complicated mm-hmm. the government got a lot more involved um, you know we had the high tech act that was passed so we now they had to you have to use electronic medical records or else you get punished um, so there's been a lot of stages that have kind of pushed a lot of private independent doctors out of you know, practicing privately and to become employed it's funny they used to um, when health systems used to come in and purchase practices they would pay doctors I mean, a big payout, like maybe, I don't know, a million dollars, two million to, to purchase their patients, right? And and sometimes to purchase the physical building or whatever. Um, but now it's 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 funny because in the last few years, they will basically say to that doctor, yeah, we'll take these people off your hands because <laughs> it's, it's so hard in an insurance-based fee-for-service model to run a medical practice and to have all the administrative burdens and insurance burdens and billing and coding and all these things that are constantly changing. You know, they're, they're constantly making it more difficult to to do these things. Um, I don't know if that's intentional or what, but um, so now it's, it's like these large health systems will come into these private doctor's office and say, yeah, we can see you really need help. So mm-hmm. we're going to do you a favor and take over your practice. Oh, you know, and Yes, exactly. I, I've heard things like they'll pay a dollar a chart or something. So basically that means a dollar a patient. Um, so again, that might be, yeah, I mean, there would be very little really. Mm-hmm. Um, but but so the idea behind that again is that um, doctors are so burdened by the current healthcare system that they need to be employed. And, and sadly, that's what we see happening. So a lot of doctors now are employed in large systems and kind of, um, you know, their hands are tied as to where they can refer you. I mean, not to say that, you know, I, 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 I'm a big proponent of doctors. Obviously, there are great doctors out there, and I think that they do what's best for the patient. But if you work for a large health system, there is kind of a this kind of inherent pressure to refer to specialists within that system. If you need an MRI, if you need a surgery, that you're going to kind of refer within the system unless there's a, a really good reason as to why you're referring outside the system. And again, most uh, doctors that are employed including myself until I started the practice, I wouldn't really know the cost of things. You know, if I'm sending somebody to, to the hospital down the street to get the, the, you know, CT scan or to get the blood work done, I really have no clue. I mean, and I don't even know how they would have a clue because they don't know that person's insurance and they don't know what the hospital's charging and all these different variables. Um, but I, I had no idea what 
that was going to financially burden that patient. Um, so that's what's really cool about our model because we know the price of everything ahead of time. And the reason we can know it is because we we actually, you know, it's a cash-based price. We're not going through insurance. Really good stuff this morning with Dr. Nicole Hemkiss of Advocate MD. The website, advocatesdpc.com. That's advocatesdpc.com. The telephone number, 608-268-6211. That's 608-268-6211. We talked a little bit about kind of how it works in the insured system. Doc, uh, right, right at the end there, kind of talked a little bit about how it works with DPC. Let's say you've got to go into one of the hospitals, have a surgery or something like that. Can Dr. Hemkiss come meet with you in the hospital? Can she uh, do follow-up, those type of things? We'll get the details on that and how it works with direct primary care. In the meantime, if you haven't checked out the website yet, definitely make sure you do that. Head on over to AdvocateDPC.com. That's AdvocateDPC.com. And the telephone number to make an appointment to become a member at AdvocateMD, 608-268-6211. That's 608-268-6211. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Nicole as Full Scope continues right here on 1310 WIBA. This is Full Scope with Dr. Nicole, Madison's direct care doc. Of course, Dr. Nicole Hemkiss, owner and medical director at Advocate MD, a direct primary care practice. Two locations to serve you, Mid- uh, Middleton, of course, on the west side of town, and the east side, right on Fair Oaks Ave, South Fair Oaks Ave. Of course, uh, the website, advocatesdpc.com. That's advocatesdpc.com. That's all the number to make an appointment, 608-268-6211. That's 608-268-6211. And, Doc, we're talking um, just before the break about about hospitals and, and, and the monopolies that they that they possess, one of the things that people assume is, well, if I'm in that system, I'm going to get a better deal. I'm going to get a better care. There's going to be better uh, continuity, all of those things. Let's talk about a lot of that is not necessarily actually not the case and how it works. For example, let's say um, you have a patient that needs to go in for, for uh, some type of surgery, some type of removal, for example. Um, how would that work then um, with you and, uh, and, and a hospital here in, here in Dane County? Yes, that's a great question. And to go back to your point about, um, you know, when you have a particular type of insurance and the fact that um, in town here locally, both of our local insurances are owned by the health systems, right? Mm-hmm. So so we think, well, the insurance is owned by the health system, so that must mean that I'm getting some sort of discounted uh, price on this particular, you know, test, lab, procedure, uh, doctor's office visit. And and actually, that's not the case, right? Because they have no reason to try to give you a, a discounted price because they are also the ones that they're collecting the money that you're paying them. So so both for the premium and the insurance each month, but also when you go in to get that procedure or that test done. Um, so the irony is that you know, you, you might think, well, I have insurance ABC, so I'm going to go to hospital ABC um, because that MRI is going to cost me less there. Um, and it might be true that at hospital ABC, it's going to cost you less than at hospital, you know, uh, in but but it's, the outer network it's, it's <laughs> going to it's going to be significantly more than if you went to an outpatient facility mm. right and so you don't really have a doctor that's kind of advocating on your side to to tell you these things or to help you navigate this um, and and this I just did a presentation recently for an employer and I was talking about exactly this right so we have to change the way we think about primary care um, and and healthcare in general we have to look at this as healthcare being two separate buckets, right? So so we need, yes, we do need some sort of catastrophic coverage that could mean insurance, that could mean a health share to cover the big stuff, hospitalization, surgery, you get diagnosed with cancer, you need chemotherapy, these big 
big ticket items. But for the vast majority of your healthcare needs, for, for most people, it will be in a primary care outpatient setting. So if we can put most of that, um, and again, it's going to be a much less cost when we do it this way. So if we focus a lot on primary care and doing things in an outpatient setting, we're going to save a lot of money. We're going to give people better care, better access to care. And that's what direct primary care does. And to your question about um, the hospital and do we see people in the hospital, because that's a question that I, I actually get asked a lot because part of it is like, well, if I go with you guys, can you can you be my doctor when I get admitted to the hospital? It's a great question. Um, here locally in the Madison market, um, the only people, the only doctors taking care of patients in the hospital as they're attending are hospitalists. So a hospitalist is a doctor that only sees people while they're in the hospital. They don't do outpatient care. Um, I have worked as a hospitalist for many years, even here locally. Um, it used to be, and, I, and even when I was practicing eight or nine years ago down in Florida, that I would um, see patients in the clinic in the morning lunch, I would eat in the car as I'm driving to the hospital, <laughs> see my two or three patients that were hospitalized, round on them, then drive back over to the clinic, see patients in the afternoon. So it used to be that your primary care doctor also rounded on you while you were in the hospital. Mm. Um, that is very, very rare. If you live in a small town, like probably up in, you know, Reedsburg or, or you know, Monroe, or, you know, those kind of towns, that might still happen. But for the most part, in any medium-sized or larger town now, all the docs working in the hospital are employed by the hospital and they're hospitalist. So we would not be your attending, but we do come and see our, I, I go and see my patients in the hospital and I do, um, you know, interact with their attending. I look at their labs. I look at the tests they have done. You know, we can talk if we have, you know, I, I talk with the patient and explain what's going on. Because unfortunately, when you're in the hospital, a lot of times there's not a lot of communication or the doctor might round on you at six o'clock in the morning while the patient's, you know, half asleep. <laughs> yes. The family hasn't gotten there yet. So, you know, by the time the family gets there at 10 o'clock, it's like, well, what did the doctor say? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, they don't unfortunately spend a lot of time in the room. Again, I used to be a hospitalist, so I kind of understand. Um, but so then to have a doctor that's actually going to come by explain to you what's going on, kind of go review your labs or testing with you and kind of, um, you know, have this discussion as far as, you know, what is the next step? You know, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Um, that's really valuable. And then that can also then be communicated with the attending doctor. So it's not that I, I would not be the one putting in your orders mm -hmm. and writing the notes, but I can still be involved. And for many patients, that's that's really a great thing that we offer that. That is a really, really great, uh, great feature as well of direct primary care. Of course, Dr. Nicole Hemkes comes to us from Advocate MD, the website advocatesdpc.com. That's advocatesdpc.com and the telephone number 608-268-6211. Call to make an appointment with Dr. Nicole and the, of course, uh, Dr. Balin, Dr. Augie, Dr. Schulman. Um, you can learn more about them all online, advocatesdpc.com. And again, to make that appointment, 608-268-6211 to become a member at Advocate MD. Speaking of, uh, of, of all four of you docs, you guys have, uh, you guys have quite... They're all great, and uh, I, I look forward to meeting Dr. Schulman. I haven't had a chance to talk with her yet, but uh, I know you'll probably uh, bring her out one of these one of these weeks when we uh, when we do a show. But um, when it comes to uh, you know, I'll, I'll use Dr. Balin as as an example. I think people here in Dane County, especially uh, people that have had him as a doc for a while, um, really, really some of the best doctors out there. I mean, a really good good bunch of docs you have at Advocate MD, and people really like the fact that that not only are they able to see great doctors, but they're able to spend time with their doctor as well. 
Yes, thank you for mentioning that. I mean, we, we are a practice that has only physicians, and all of the physicians that we have, you know, we are very selective in who we want to join our group, obviously. And, you know, a well-trained family medicine physician, you can't really replace that, right? Yeah. You know, we, we I was joking again at this presentation I did, and I said, you know, we can deliver babies, you <laughs> yeah. know, we can, we can do a lot of things that we don't do anymore. But the whole idea that having a doctor that has that knowledge and experience, and all of the doctors in our practice are, are experienced, family medicine trained doctors. Um, so, so yes, unfortunately, again, in the system, these these doctors that really care about their patients and want to spend the time, they're kind of looking at other alternatives, right? Because they can't do that in the, the current environment. Is that some of what fueled, by the way, as, as we talked, of course, Advocate MD, you, you were the first to do this, but um, you are still, the, you're still, you're the largest here in Dane County, but there have been other clinics that have, that have opened up. Is some of that fueled not just by, by, you know, obviously people are responding and loving it, um, but Doctors as well saying, you know what, let's find something, something different, something this doctor saying this isn't what I signed up for and, and deciding to, to go out on their own and say, let's open a direct primary care practice. I, I would agree with that, yes, because I think, you know, they, they're constantly doing these surveys as far as burnout rate. And it's kind of like, why do you keep doing the survey that keeps telling you the same thing? But I think right now it's something like more than 50% of physicians are, are burnt out. And and the, the recently did a study, I can't remember if it was in JAMA, but um, they said that something like one out of four doctors in the next five years will either retire early um, basically stop practicing medicine, like go into a different field or, you know, so, so I mean, imagine if 25% of doctors, and I think this was across the board, not just primary care. Um, so definitely physicians are at this point, I think, where they feel like they don't have a lot of autonomy. They don't have a lot of, um, you know, decision making, you know, opportunities in their current healthcare system. So I think that this really empowers doctors to do what's right for their patients, to kind of take control of, of the way they practice medicine, to do, be able to practice all the skills that they learned mm -hmm. in their training, which again, we're not really able to do in the system. So, so yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that more doctors are looking for these opportunities. Uh, real quick, uh, is, is, as, as we hear stuff like this about, about doctors retiring, that is that, is that partially, I, we, we don't have to get in, into political anything, but I know there've been things here in Wisconsin where looking to allow nurses and others to, to take up roles is some of that to, to try and, and find a way to uh, kind of manage this 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 crisis in, in so to say I think there definitely is going to be a primary care shortage right mm -hmm. so we know that when the baby boomers um, start retiring or they have started to retire but you know over the next five to ten years as more baby boomer docs are retiring we will see a, a a definite shortage in primary care doctors, right? So uh, we know that there are a lot of um, non-physicians um, that are, are practicing um, in different you know, capacities. Um, but physicians, there's kind of a cap on the number of us that can can graduate from medical school and residency. Mm. The government actually controls that very strictly as far as how many medical schools there are, unlike other types of schools. But <laughs> for some reason, yeah, I, I guess I understand the reason. Medical school and residency programs, residency programs are federally funded. So, so they definitely control how many of us can be churned out. Um, so yes, I think that that's, that's only going to become worse and it's going to become harder to find a primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. It's a good time right now. We talk about Advocate MD, all MDs, four doctors, two locations to serve you. They'd love
love to get to know you, your family. If you're an employer looking for great options for your employees, check out Direct Primary Care. Check out Advocate MD online, advocatesdpc.com. That's advocatesdpc.com. Telephone number 608 268 6211. That's 608 268 6211. Dr. Cole, it is always great hanging out. You enjoy the day. Thanks, Sean. You too. Certified financial planner Tracy Anton comes your way next year. 1310 WIBA. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.